This episode was brought to you by Canna Comforts. Canna Comforts was formed to help those in need of an all-natural but effective alternative to prescription drugs. Canna Comforts heals your mind, body, and soul with the finest all-natural products on earth. Be sure you check out the description box for a link to their website and also use code DIARY25 to get 25% off your order. Hey y'all, what's up? Welcome back to another great episode, Diary of a Mad Black Man. My name is Blake, if you don't know. I'm the host of this podcast, and I am very excited for this show today because I have a very special guest. I got a jewel. Yes, a real-life jewel, a real-life gem. She goes by the name of Jewel the Gem. She's an amazing, phenomenal spirit, nothing but dope, amazing energy. When we connected on Instagram not too long ago, I was like, yo, I got to get you on the podcast because you are spitting straight fire like her knowledge her energy her aura just everything about her just completely resonated with me and who i am as a person and she's a healer we're on this healing journey together we're all trying to heal and she's all about all that good stuff that just makes us feel good so in today's episode we talk about a lot we talk about a little bit about her childhood she's from brooklyn um we talk about her being a black queer abolitionist. Um, we talk about her company, Jewel the Gym Productions. We even talk about, you know, intimate queer partner violence, healing, trauma, resilience, ancestral spirituality, mental wellness. I mean, so many great things were discussed in this podcast. I cannot express to you enough how dope this is. I mean, as the host of this podcast, I was like, yo, I can't wait to go back and listen to this for myself and take notes because it's just that good, y'all. I'm not even trying to, like, overhype the situation because, I mean, we give credit where credit is due, right? So, um, before we get into the episode, just a couple quick updates. If you're not following me on the socials, be sure you check the description box. Diary of an MBM on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, y'all know that y'all are now my close friends. So, if y'all want to get into my group chat that I have for my podcast, possibly connect with me and some people that I know, some amazing dope spirits, and just amazing people in general um hit me up slide in my dms on instagram let me know if you're interested in that i also have my company the black podcast club you can go to the black follow us on instagram twitter or facebook at that we also got a youtube show that'll probably be out actually no because i'm releasing this episode tomorrow so our episodes well our shows that we're doing for our youtube channel will be out very soon as well so be sure you guys go subscribe to our youtube channel for that and without further ado, I have nothing else. Let me get you guys to this great, amazing knowledge and energy that Jewel brought to Diary of a Mad Black Man. Jewel, I know you're listening. Thank you so much. It was really a divine intervention that made our paths cross and we're connected. I can't wait to continue to build with you, connect with you, work with you, and learn from you and learn and grow with you. Just such an amazing person. And I could do a whole another podcast just talking about how much I admire you. So I'm going to stop now and let people get into the show. Um, again, thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I'm so excited. Just feeling really good today. And I hope you are as well. And I hope you enjoy the show. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another great episode of Diary of a Mad Black Man. Y'all, I'm not even going to stun on y'all right now. I have butterflies in my stomach for this podcast right now because I just know that gems are about to be dropped because I have Jewel the Gem here who is about to bless this podcast and bless us with some amazing knowledge. Um, and, and let's jump right in. Jewel, thank you so much for coming. Um, let's get a little formal intro in, let the people know who you are, and let's get it. Yes. Well, first, Blake, thank you so much for having me on. I just I know this is going to be amazing. So thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast. Um, I am I go by Jewel the Gem. Um, my pronouns that I use are she, her, hers. And I am a ratchet revolutionary Brooklyn baddie, homegirl healer, homegirl hair braider, black business owner. I got hands and I got candles. 
Um, all the things I, I really, I, I ride for my ancestors because they ride for me. I'm a first generation um, Haitian descendant from ratchet Haitian revolutionaries who I know was dancing and twerking and, and then also was making sure that we was getting free. So um, I'm just really, I, I am a manifestation of what they didn't think could exist for them. So mm. um, I'm here on this earth in service and um, I'm hearing excitement for this podcast, <laughs> for this conversation. Yes, this is beautiful. Um, oh, this is so awesome. So like, for those of y'all listening, like I found Jewel through Healing My Black. I was watching a live with Josh one day and you were the guest. And just the energy, the vibes, everything that y'all were saying, y'all were talking about intergenerational trauma. And I was literally, I have like three pages of notes from y'all live that day. And when y'all logged (laughs) off, I was like, I gotta log back in, like do it. So just, I just love everything about you, your energy so far. So I really want to just use this opportunity to get to know you better. So just tell me, like, how did you grow up? Tell us where you, um, what that was like for you. Yeah. So I grew up in Brooklyn, um, Brooklyn, East New York, pre-gentrified the hood. Um, I grew up in a house. Um, I always I always had house privilege within the hood because I think it's a very different experience when you grow up in the hood and you in the projects and then when you in a house. Um, My grandparents um, came from Haiti and they felt it was really, really important to be able to purchase a home. So um, I grew up in the same house that my grandfather and my grandmother um, um, had. My uncles and mom and aunts grew up in that house. I grew up in that house. And I think it's really beautiful to have a lineage of people who grew up in the same little house, you know, on in the hood. So um, in my upbringing, I was like, I'm a Virgo. So I was very bold and very, I talked a lot. I had a lot to say. I had a hard time being a kid because I didn't like being told what to do. Mm. Mom be like, go to the store. I'm like, why don't you go to the store? She like, if you don't bring your ass to the store. <laughs> and I'm like, but I don't want to go to the store because I'm jumping double to show my friends and like you interrupted my my game. Um, so I feel like I was I was also like calling boys out a lot. Like I feel like a lot of boys in the hood was lying about having sex. And I was like, you lying, you not having sex. <laughs> you know, and I was just the girl who they was just like, Oh, you bold, you radical, you you unapologetic. If they didn't have that word, but I definitely was unapologetic. Um so that was me as a girl, like as a child, I feel like in school, I was, I did quote unquote well in school. I was like a straight A student. I was always on honor roll mm-hmm. and things like that. But I think more than anything, I was an organizer. I yeah. spoke out against things that I didn't think were okay. And I always talk about how the first um, campaign that I ever ran was when I was in uh, third grade and it was to bring chocolate milk back on the menu. And oh, I went around no. to all my, to all my um, classmates and I was like, who wants chocolate milk back in the menu? And they was like, me. And I was like, sign this paper. And I didn't know the name was called petition, but that's what it was. Right. And I went into the office of the dean and I was like, I have um, names here of people who want to get chocolate milk back in the menu. So can you set up a meeting between me and the lunch ladies? And he would look at me like, what? And I was like, <laughs> meeting. Third grade. <laughs> and I sat with the lunch ladies and I was able to get chocolate milk back on the menu. And so... I, I just always was organizing, you know, I was always speaking out against things and mobilizing people. So that's yeah. dope. I, I can tell that that's very natural to you. So like, so as you became older, like, like what were your teenage years? Like as you became yeah. to become more aware of the world that we all live in and share. Yeah. So in high school, um, I went to uh, Murray Bertram High School in Manhattan, Lower Manhattan, and that was a really a shock for me because everything was very Brooklyn based up until 14. So I go to this school in Lower Manhattan. This is the first time I'm taking the train by myself. And I'm like, culture shock, like, whoa, there's white people on the train. What's going on? And my third day of high school, guess what happens? What? (gasps) 9-11. Which was my, it's just my birthday. So it's my 14th birthday. I'm walking to school. I'm by myself. It's third day of school. And I look back and the buildings fall. And I'm like in lower Manhattan. So I'm literally three to four blocks away from where this happens. And I'm like, wait, what just, what? Like, and so that was the wildest day of my life. 
probably up until that time. I mean, I probably had some wild days since then. But yeah, on my third day of high school, my 14th birthday was 9-11. So that 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 kicked off uh, really teenage years for me, um, navigating that. Holy yeah. shit, yo. I know. Like, that's so, deep. I'm just like, because you know something? I flashed, because I remember that day. I was living in Memphis, Tennessee at the time. I was in the sixth grade. And I remember I was in gym class and we went in the locker room and got changed. And I knew something. And when I came out of the locker room, I knew something was going on because the PE teacher was like making everybody sit down, you know, in our little spots across the gym. And they were bringing out the TV. I'm like, why? They ain't never brought no TV in gym. Right. And I remember they started playing what was happening in New York. And I was just like, I remember being just sitting there like, what, what, are, the, what are the World Trade Centers? Like, what? A t- terrorist attack? What? 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 <laughs> What does this mean? And so that was the first time, 9-11 was the first time that I really became aware of it's not just the United States. Yep. It's a big world out there. There's other countries out there. There's other people out there with other ideas, other thoughts. And yeah, wow, that's great. Yes. Child, that was the first time I heard the word terrorist. I thought Mm -hmm. they said tourist. And I was like, the tourists took down the building. This is what happens. You bring them, invite them to the Empire State, and this is what goes on. They're just supposed to see here to just see the buildings. Why? And it was like, no terrorists. And I was like, and I did not know about any of that. I literally found that out at like on that day, you know. And then I had to end up walking because the trains and stuff wasn't working. So I had to walk from Manhattan all the way to Brooklyn. I didn't have a cell phone. You know, this is 2001, and not everybody had phones and stuff like that. Now you in second grade, you got a cell phone. but I didn't have a cell phone, so my mom didn't know where I was. No one knew where I was. And I walked from Manhattan to Brooklyn. And y'all, that's 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 not close. Like it was hours for me to get home. And I'm just like, which way, which way is Brooklyn? And the building, the bridge was shaking. So that was that was that was high school. That was the third day of high school for me. Um, and then I think that I think that that did politicize me in a way because I was able to be like, wait a minute, there's people who will put their body on the line to hurt people. Like what? Yeah. So that definitely, it shook the state. It shook the country. It shook the world. Yeah. I, that, that really was eye opening for me. Mm. Um, you know, as a ninth grader entering this new borough and this like navigating what that meant for me, cause school was closed for a couple of weeks. Um, and it was it was very scary. It was a very scary wow. time. That was my wow. to Wow, that's powerful. Um, yeah. So obviously that was a very traumatic event you went through. Mm-hmm. And I know you're very big on healing and healing from trauma and stuff like that. So at what point in your life did you start to understand what healing is and engage with that process? Yeah, I feel I didn't start identifying as a healer until probably within the last year. Okay. Um, because... In my mind, healers meant that they had all white on, they had a crystal ball, you know, and they were able to tell you your future. And it was very Miss Cleo vibes. It was very, (laughs) call me now for your free (laughs) you know? And I was like, I'm not that girl. Like, that's not me. Um, So I didn't identify with being a healer because of the aesthetic. I also didn't think I was old enough to be a healer. I was like, Mm. don't you got to be wise? Don't you got to be like 50 plus? So I didn't think about it until I started to realize that I identify as a healer because I'm healing myself. Mm. Not because I'm laying hands on people. I lay hands on myself. You know what I'm saying? And if I got to lay hands on somebody else because they fuck with me, that's different. But, (laughs) But in terms of like healing, like... I I am actively healing myself. I got my my tinctures, my oils, my sage, my my candles. Like I'm constantly healing myself from all of the shit that I went through and continue to go through. Um, and as, as a community organizer, I think that community looks at me as a healer. Mm. That's something that because through me healing out loud. They're like, oh, I could do this too. I get to talk about people who've harmed me. I get to talk about, you know, trauma. I get to talk about abuse. And Mm. I think through seeing me heal out loud, that's healing people. And also I'm a mobilizer. So I will gather other healers together 
from all walks of life who do all types of things from social work to Reiki, from, from meditation, guided meditation for ancestors to tarot readings. And, and, you know, and so for me, it's, it's a sound healing. And so as a person who mobilizes people, I'm able to bring healers together to bring healing to community. So that's the way that I navigate that. And like I said, that's recent. Cause I was like, Oh, wait a minute. And I think about like people like Juju Bay who has her own podcast and watching how her aesthetic she's able to maintain her long nails her braids her weaves her and I, and like still be a healer and i'm like oh, okay i want to be that kind of healer yeah i don't want to have to i don't want to have to um strip myself of the things that make me jewel mm. so um yeah and the ancestor said you heal a bitch so i said say less <laughs> they said, step into your power i said okay <laughs> i love that i love that you know you no know, for me um I've been on a healing journey for, I would say I officially started um, November of 2018. Mm -hmm. I used to be a teacher. I mean, we kind of talk, we both used to be teachers, yep. so yep. educators out there listening, yeah. but I was so depressed. I was battling suicidal ideation, like yeah. no other alcoholism and all these things. And I was like, I literally remember the day I woke up and, and, and quit my job. It was like, I didn't have no other job lined up. I didn't have much money saved up, but I remember it like in the midst of the mental anguish I was going through, I said, God, I 100% trust you. I'm literally jumping out on faith because I want to be better. I want to feel better. I want to be better. I want to have peace within. And so I literally just jumped off the cliff and it's been one hell of a roller coaster since, but it's been a beautiful journey because it's allowed me to really be more authentically myself. It's allowed me to connect with other like-minded people who may have been through some things and are healing like you. Um, and it's just, it's just been a great journey. I know it's only going to get better the more I engage with it. Cause now I look back over the past two years of my life and I'm like, damn, bro, you've really grown. You've really evolved. You know what I'm saying? I'm learning now through therapy, shout out to my therapist that it's okay to big up yourself. It's okay to brag about yourself. It's okay to do it and, and celebrate your wins and your accomplishments. Because at one point in time in my life, I was like, no, I don't want to talk about the things that I've done. Don't talk about the good things. Cause I felt like it was bragging in a sense, but I'm learning to not necessarily brag, but to celebrate my mm -hmm. accomplishments. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Something else I want to know about you is um, I read your bio that, that you submitted and you said you're a black queer abolitionist. Yes. I've never heard nobody say that before. Please. I want to know more. Yes. So I'm black <laughs> and I'm queer. And I'm very much fuck the police and not have sex with them type of fuck, but like fuck the middle finger in the air to the police and middle finger in the air to, to prisons and to those who uphold the systems of prison. So COs and the like. Um, mm. And so when we think about like abolition and if you think about um, dismantling and getting rid of systems that oppress people, mm. the thing is, is that people are like, how can you be an abolitionist in a world where people are molesting children, uh, battering um, people in relationships. Mm. I'm a survivor, y'all. So mm. I don't believe that people should be over here um, doing all types of abuse and harm to people without repercussions and consequence. However, consequence does not mean putting people in a cage. Mm. If it did, if putting people in cages, AKA prison, AKA modern day slavery. If that was the answer, then there would be no crime because prison's been around for how long? <laughs> don't people come out and do the same shit? Right. Don't don't they do shit within, within the system? <laughs> don't they literally the amount of abuse that goes on within? So it's not the answer. So we gotta say, fuck it. What else can can happen? Right. Mm. And I think and I do believe in community accountability processes, which we could probably get to after, but the thing is, is that police and prisons, that's rooted under slavery, slave patrol, things like that. Mm -hmm. So if you think about slaves, the unruly slaves, right? The, and first of all, it's to, if you being a held captive, separated from your loved ones, working for free, out in the blistering sun with your fingers bleeding because of picking cotton, talk about unruly, you have every right to be. Stolen from your land, right? Mm. Brought here. I mean, come on, all the lists that goes into like, yeah, what you want, happy people doing this? <laughs> so people try to escape. Mm -hmm. And what they would do, right, the white people would send people 
overseers oftentimes and people who are like, I'll bring back the niggers, I'll bring back the slaves. And they would go out with dogs and they would find these slaves who tried to run away to their freedom from the plantation. Mm. That's what police officers are. That's So the idea of policing and the idea of police officers is rooted in slave patrol. Mm-hmm. It's rooted in, let's go get these niggas. Mm-hmm. And that's why the system is working the way that it was designed to work. It was working. It's working to oppress black people. It's working to to uh, have slave patrollers put knees to the back and, and choke black people. And we can't breathe. We've never been able to breathe. Mm. And so I, when I think about images of Sandra Bland being mm. beaten by police at a traffic stop. Mm-hmm. And when I see images of George Floyd with the knee on the back, and I think about the countless Black trans women who are murdered by partners who are afraid to love them for who they are, Mm. I say, how different is this from us being hung from trees? So we need to think about a new system because this system ain't fucking working for us as Black people, for us as queer people, for people who are trans and gender nonconforming. It's not working to help and rehabilitate. If prisons were meant to rehabilitate, that would be a different story, but it's not meant to rehabilitate. Mm -hmm. That's so real. Wow. Um, I just got to pause and let that marinate because the way you just said that was just like on point. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people forget the historical aspects of where policing comes from. like, I literally just recorded an episode today with this white guy who is like, yo, I didn't realize it was this deep. I didn't realize it was this real. And it's like, you know, and a lot of um, a lot of us black people are like, oh, well, I'm not teaching no white people. I'm not educating them on this or that. I'm just like, I understand why, why you say that. But if you have a white person who's willing to learn and willing to help in the movement, why not? We need all that we can get. You know what I'm saying? We need a, a whole community, a plethora of people from different angles, different mindsets to work to better ourselves and to better our people. You know what I'm saying? This is the liberation of black people is is still that fight is still going on to this day. And so that's why I just admire you so much, because it's just like, yeah. to, to be able to speak to something that's so difficult. Yeah painful and so hurtful for some people in such a in, in such a way that 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 leads to greater understanding is special not everybody yeah. can do that you know what i'm saying yeah. you, you, and I feel like, you know everyone has a role in the revolution my role is never to talk to white people in the ways that i'm talking to you now mm-hmm. i've definitely facilitated workshops and still do where they're in this space but to sit down and interview or to sit down and be in Well, I have, I have been interviewed by white people, but I, but in 2020 and beyond that's the last decade, like this upcoming decade, I'm just not with the shits, but that's just because that's not my role in the revolution. Mm. My role in the revolution is to encourage and remind black people that we're worthy and deserving of healing, that we need to fucking arm up. And not only with like weapons in the ways that people think about, because also, but also that too, but like, we need to arm up with our oils and our sage and our mm-hmm. incense and our spiritual armies, right? So that we could be okay and equipped for this revolution. Because the revolutionary the revolution will be ratchet. The revolutionary will not be on some respectability politics. And the revolutionary will be led by, by black, queer, and trans folks. So we need to all be prepared to make sure that we good to really do the work. So mm-hmm. people who are like, look, I want to have these conversations with white people. I feel like that's their role and they do it, but mm-hmm. it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's so true, and that's something that I've, I I would say probably in the past like six months I learned is was that everybody in this movement has a role to play. Mm-hmm. The better you understand your role and can stay in your lane, then the better that we'll all be off. You know what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. So I also want, want, want to get into you said you're your intimate queer partner violence survivor. Yeah, I know yeah. that in in a lot of relationships, especially in, in the queer communities. I find that from from my own experiences, especially dealing with, with gay men, um, they think that abuse and fighting each other is okay and it's a part of their relationship. And I'm just like, I don't care who you're with. Nobody's supposed to be in your household beating on you. Like yeah. that, nobody's supposed to be beating on you, period. So share with us your, your experiences and, and how you overcame that. Yeah. Um, I think 
So, so at first, um, I used to in my bio, people who might have seen my bios before, maybe about like maybe three years ago or two years ago or however many years ago, I used to say same sex intimate partner violence because um, that was what it was. But then, unfortunately, it became something that was existing in relationships outside of that. So it was being abused by non-binary folks. It was being abused by, by trans men. And so queer had to be put in there as a way to say, this abuse is, is happening to me in a plethora of different ways by different people. And it's so disheartening because I'm this, loud, radical, revolutionary person in relationships, however, I'm I'm not, that doesn't always show up. You mm-hmm. know, in relationships, I've been the caretaker. I've been the mother. Okay. I mean, I've been, I've been, I was parenting some people. Mm. Um, I've been the enabler. I've been the one who really, and I say the word allow and not to blame myself, but to just to be like the shit that people have said to me in relationships and that I've been like, yeah, okay. So for example, I was dating this, this woman for three years and she had a variety of different demons that she was fighting, right? From her past being, being a person who was a survivor of abuse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in many different ways. And so the week in this relationship, it's violent very early on, but because I because I was, at least I want to use it in past tense, I was the person who was like, all right, well, I see the light in you, right? Like I see mm-hmm. the light in you. I know you've went through some shit and I want to be there for you. I want to, and I used to think that I could heal people with my love mm. and I cannot. If you are not on your own healing journey, if you are not, I can't heal you, boo-boo, no, no. You have a journey and I have a journey. So I remember she would say things like, Jewel, if I ever, and like with this cold stoic face, she's like, if I ever broke your arm, would you stay with me? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, if I ever like put you in the hospital and you like in a coma, like I fuck you up, would you stay with me? And I was like, yeah, if I make it out the coma, yeah. Wow. What? <laughs> and I had to do so much work to forgive that girl. Mm. When I say that girl, I mean me. I mean Mm. the girl that said yeah. Mm. The girl that heard this motherfucker say this shit to me and say yeah. All because I wanted to love her. All because I wanted to love me. Because Mm. I had to really sit with the fact that I didn't have self-love if if a motherfucker was able to say that to me and I said yeah. (laughs) And it was hard to really grab because I'm like, what you mean I love myself? I got got healthy self-esteem. No, you don't. No, you don't. And, and it's not the blame. It's a it's a reality check. So she would say things like that throughout our relationship. And I would say, yes, you know, I will stay here. I'm still here. I would love her through a black eye. I couldn't open one eye. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I had to one, like I said, forgive her, the girl who said yes. I don't quite know if I fully forgave the person who did the harm. I don't know. I go back and forth with it because candles, you know, and I wish that she lives a life where she will forever regret what she done did to me. Mm-hmm. But I fail just to say that that's just an example of the different types of violence that I've experienced, um, whether it was physiological, where I was forced, I was sleep deprived, you know, mm-hmm. and I was told I couldn't eat. I was told that I could only remain in the dark all day. So no lights, you know, I was physically abused. I was psychologically abused. I mean, it was like the, the list goes on and on and it's so unfortunate because it kept happening over and over and over and over. And so shout out to my therapist because clearly there's things that I have to recognize that um, I have to be more discerning on. And once again, mm-hmm. people who are listening to this. This is not, this is a diary, right? So this mm-hmm. is like me saying what I would write in my diary and never to blame myself. I love myself mm-hmm. today, okay? Um, mm-hmm. And I also have to do work to be discerning. And I have to do to do work to be like, hmm, who do I give this love to? This love can't go up for everybody. Mm-hmm. I can't be with everybody. You know, some people are not further along. They're not, they're not quite along on their healing journey for them to fuck with me. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I did a lot of learning and healing and still learning and healing from those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a process. It's definitely a process that, yeah. like, I, I know from my own experience, I'm similar to, you know, you have to constantly engage with this process. It's an yeah. everyday thing, an everyday journey, you know. Yeah. At what point, and I'm asking this question because I know people very close to me who have been in a very abusive relationships. At what point did you know or realize that it had to change and you had to change? I'm still realizing it, you know, I think because it's still happening. It's still happening, Blake. And I'm sitting here like, what? Like, it's still happening, you know? And like up and like up as recent to like the person I was dating a couple months ago, you know, and it's like, but but I what I will say is I think that I am a lot quicker to see it now. Like I ain't staying with nobody for years before I was, it'll be three years in. And I'm like, wait a minute. Now I'm able to see things within a few months, but there's still elements of abuse that are happening, you know, yeah. in relationships that haven't been that long ago. And so I think that for me, um, when I'm recognizing a thing that needs to change is within me. Mm. I like and like I said, not to blame y'all, not to blame. I think sometimes we, we have a hard time being like, oh my gosh, yeah. no, she's not, no, she's not, no, she's not. Um, it's the niggas. They, the niggas are the niggas are fucked up, not me. However, I'm like, the change needs to happen within me, meaning that like I have got a most recent reading, and I feel very open to love and very open to relationships. And that person said, No, boo boo, you still, you still have a you still have a ways to go. Because the fact that this is still happening, the fact that you still attracting this type of energy, you some you some you have something to heal within yourself. And I do pick up on it, right? I pick up on things like how I can enable behavior, how I can see toxic and be like, oh well, that's love, you know, or I allow people to disrespect my boundaries, and I'm like, all right. So for so for an example, right? that people may not think of as like a big deal, but it is in the grand scheme of things. Me saying, look, tonight I am going to take the night for myself. I'm gonna, you know, have my wine, have my incense, maybe watch a movie or listen to music. So I'll talk to you tomorrow, right? Very simple boundaries, self-care. That person says, cool. Hour goes by, you enjoying your time. Hour, hour and a half goes by. Two hours later, the person calls you, FaceTimes you. And they're like, I'm, I missed you, so I just called you anyway. And you engage because you're like, oh, they missed me. They violated your boundary. Mm. And you answered mm. because you thought it was so cute that they called you, but they violated your boundary. So I gotta recognize a change when I gotta be like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I gotta stop allowing people to disrespect my boundaries because that adds to layers that adds to what could potentially be abusive behavior because now they feel like they have access to you whenever the fuck they want to right mm. so like what about consent what about boundary setting what about self-care what about mm. and so that goes out the window when they violate right but then you mm. be like well, they called me though they missed me though that's so <laughs> cool. so stuff like that so i am always recognizing it and i think that as a survivor, I have to also recognize like what's a trauma response? What is something that I'm like, and is this really happening? Cause I've been gaslit so much. And that's why when people say things to me, I'm literally writing stuff down. I'm writing down red flags so that when things happen at the end, like down the line, I'm like, oh wait, this motherfucker did say that shit on January 1st. Cool. <laughs> Bet there, there was a pattern. Cause abuse is rooted in patterns and power yeah. dynamics. It's not just an isolated incident. And so for me, I look back at shit. I'm like, oh, that motherfucker did say they don't, they don't, they don't want to be, they don't want me to be with anybody else for the rest of my life. And if they, and if I left, they would hurt themselves. Wait a minute, they did say that on on February second, right? So it's like recognizing those things and those patterns. But I'm always coming, I'm always reflecting about whether my relationships are healthy or not, because I'm susceptible to violence as a survivor. I just, mm. it's just what it is. That's so dope. You um. The term that comes to mind now is resilience. 
Mm-hmm. There's a certain level of resilience that you have about yourself that that I admire and that I think a lot of people um, may not necessarily have. Um, at one point in my life, I didn't necessarily have it as well because I would beat myself up about the things that I've done. Like, oh, you know, you shouldn't have did that or you be going through something knowing you shouldn't have been going through it. You answering your phone, knowing you shouldn't answer your phone. So how do you um, find grace in, in giving yourself space to make those I guess the term I think is mistakes, but but yeah. also to embrace your resilience that, you know, I got this. I'm going to push through. Yeah, because I think about all the things that I already pushed through. Mm. You know, when when I talk to people and um, like I was I was I went through a pro- I went through a training to be a youth mental health first aid trainer. Mm. And they talk about how do you um, talk to young people, but honestly, anybody who is experiencing suicidal ideation or any type of mental health crisis. And I always think about one of the key terms as being like, look what you've survived already. Mm-hmm. You know, so many of us as black people, as black queer people have experienced so much pain, whether it's family rejection, societal rejection, like mm-hmm. the list goes on and on. And from a state level, from a national level, from a personal level, like it's so much. And so we made it though. You know, like what today is August 22nd, 2020. And it's like, okay, so I survived from September 11th, 1987 to August 22nd, 2020. So I've survived and I've thrived and I've overcame. So I'm going to keep overcoming because I've already done it. So I think that giving yourself credit um, and I think in terms of mistakes, I'm a Virgo. I don't like to make mistakes. I'm like. You know, um, so when I think back on stuff, I'm like, dang, Jewel, when will you learn? Right. But kind of like grace. I also, you know, I do have moments where I'm like, don't you know better? But then I always meet that with that's not you. You love hard. You are soft. You're hard, but you're soft. And you're also a light. And with being a light darkness will come to you because people don't love themselves and you love yourself. So here you like you, you moths to a flame, moths to a flame. So not blaming yourself and learning from your lessons. Like I I really take my lessons as blueprints to where I've been, but also like help me to understand that there's lessons within each of those things. Mm. I love that. I love that. Again, butterflies. (laughs) Um, something else that I wanted to talk to you about that I want to know more about is, um, ancestral spirituality. Mm. That's something that I loved about that was new to me, um, that when I first, you know, even knew you existed, um, through the live was, you know, you guys were talking about the altar and really understanding your ancestors and the spirituality that comes with that. Um, share some of like, like how you came to that understanding and what that means to you. Yeah. So um, you know, I grew up in a household where, you know, my family is Haitian and um, there was this looming like term around practicing voodoo. And and that that's bad. Like, you don't do that. You don't catch spirits. You don't do things like that. And it was very like we're Haitian, but we're Catholic because voodoo is a religion. And they're like, no, we're Catholic. So I grew up with my family not really talking about it as something to practice. However, it was very much like it exists. People will do shit to you. And my grandmother definitely had reversible candles. I was like, okay, you doing shit to me, it's going right back to you. But it was very much rooted in like, okay, we're gonna engage in this with protection, but not necessarily like putting spells and curses and, and, and things like that on people. So, but then I got teased a lot for being Haitian because people thought Haitian voodooism, you know, like voodoo. And they were just like, that's the voodoo religion, things like that. And so I remember getting teased for it a lot. And then at one point I was like, you know, I might as well use what, use their fear. So I remember being like, yup. And if you keep fucking with me, those legs you walking on, you won't have anymore. And they were like, oh shit. (laughs) And in that moment I was like, well, if y'all gonna say that's what I do, then I'm gonna use that. Mm. And then they, then the teasing stopped because they got scared. Mm. Um, and so as I got older, I started to realize like, no, Jewel, there's nothing for you to be afraid of. Um, 
you know, shout out to Sam, um, AKA Juju Bay again, because she gave me a divination last year in Chicago. And she affirmed so many things for me. She affirmed that my ancestors love me and they want me to do this spirit work. They want me to do healing work. And as long as I'm living in a life that is uplifting and blessing them in this in the physical realm, they will bless me from the spiritual realm. And that's what I think made me and it catapulted me into saying it loudly, affirming it. Um, and and so that that kind of started my journey, I will say. But I've always felt especially when I did a lot of activism on the front lines, if you will, like I would be at protests and I'd be chanting. I would be like, what is happening to me when I am doing these chants? I would watch videos of me and my voice is different. Like, I'm like, this is not even me. And and those moments I used to be like, oh, this is a, this is my ancestors coming speaking for me. Mm. So I feel like I definitely had moments in my life where I definitely felt their presence very. It was very potent, but it was always when I was on the front lines, always when I was chanting, always when I was doing things for my people in a radical way. Um, but now I incorporate it into everything that I do, from whether I'm twerking to whether you know I'm on a live talking about trauma. You know, everything centers them. So um, that's. That's kind of the piece around ancestors. Um, and a little bit about altars, you know, I feel like an altar is a way to celebrate and to honor and to commemorate people who've come before you. And, um, you know, I recently lost two of my grandmothers in six days in April, this past mm-hmm. April. And I remember being like, so like frozen sad. Like I was like numb. Like I was like, how do you lose? two grandmothers in six days, like what? In a pandemic. So I wasn't able to attend their funerals. Like I wasn't, I was like, what is, this is, but then I remember hearing a podcast, Shout out to Juju Bay again, mm. where the name of the podcast was called, that this particular episode was Niggas Die Different. And she talked about like when people elevate to the spiritual realm, that's where they, that's, that's home for everybody. Mm-hmm. We're only here for a little bit, but our true home is where we get to live and eternally, and I was like, so my grandparents are home, and my ancestors are home, and they up there wherever they at. They upside down. I don't know where where it's up, but they're in the spiritual realm, chilling, drinking their wine, drinking their coffee, loving up on me, and saying, "Look what Jewel is doing." So the least I could do, and the most that I want to do, right? Like I mean, the least right. and all the things in between is like to honor them. You know, in the ways that I do by 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 putting them on an altar. Mm, that's so dope. Yeah, I'm like literally watching that. I was literally at an event last night, and I saw I met this girl who like makes crystals and makes different like jewels and little uh, trinkets. Like she made like a Black Lives Matter fist out of crystals and was wrapped in. Where I was like, listen, I'm moving in like three weeks. I'm gonna highlight you because I'm gonna have me an altar, no. a little peaceful sanctuary in my house, and no. I'm gonna get with all of that. You know what I'm saying? Once my life yeah. gets to transition to the next level, um, when I get out of my current situation, I'm incense, sage, all of that. There all we that. go. Just, there just, we go. We just um, want to get into. So, um, a, a couple more things I want to um, ask you about is just overall mental health and wellness. Yeah, it's really something that I've been challenged with greatly in my lifetime, um, suicidal thoughts, suicide attempts. Um, however, I've found a lot of peace and comfort within myself by starting to talk about it and starting mm-hmm. to share my story and it's inspiring other people. And ultimately healing is, yeah, it's physical. And I think a lot of times when we talk about health, we physically, and there's such a stigma around mental health and wellness, um, especially within the Black community. Um, And so what has been your experiences with understanding just overall mental health and wellness? Yeah, I think that all Black people have to pay very close attention to our mental health. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you think about our ancestors, once again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) about our ancestors and what they went through um, and all the things that they had to endure. There's trauma embedded in our DNA as a result of that. And while there's trauma embedded, there's resilience embedded as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we have to pay close attention to that. I think that all of us need to be having some sort of mental health and mental wellness um, guides whether that is a therapist, whether that is a spiritual healer, whether that is, you know, 
name that person, but someone outside of ourselves who can reflect back what they see and to and give insight because we're not able to really, we, I'm a healer and I heal myself, but I'd also have a therapist. Okay. And I also have spiritual advisors. Um, and so the work has to be a team and you got to be on your team, but you need other people to be on your team. Um, and so I think that one thing that I will say when I think about black mental health and wellness, is like being able to sit with all of the things that come up for us. Being able to sit with our sadness, being able to sit with our depression, being able to sit with our anxiety, being able to sit with our PTSD, being able to sit with bipolar disorder, the list and the list and the list goes on and on. Sit with it, right? And I think sitting with it, when I say sitting with it, meaning like recognizing that's what it is. Because we spend so much time being like, that's not it. I don't got that. Mm -mm. Nope. My moves don't do that to that. Mm -mm. I'm not feeling anxious. What's that? Mm -mm. No, let's sit with it. Let's recognize the symptoms. Let's recognize the characteristics. Know that we're not alone. Know that we're going to survive through it. Mm -hmm. And know that there will be brighter days. Mm -hmm. Right? And once again, it's like, think about all the things you survived. People who've, who've, who've um, attempted suicide, it's like, you're here. Wow. After 10, 13, 20, you made it. Come on. Come on making it. Come on surviving. Come on now. Whew. And so and so you you really and, and to think about what what allowed you to to make it through. Maybe, maybe it was you thinking about your sibling, maybe it was you thinking about all the people you would leave behind who would miss you. Whatever it was, hold on to that and build those tools that that make you feel like your life is worth living. And celebrate yourself for waking up every motherfucking day. Cause that's what I do. I celebrate myself. I'm like, child, I, another day, boom. Let's get go. It. Listen, I'm uh trying to keep it together. Um, because not that long ago I was having suicidal thoughts. Yeah. And I started I, I literally was like reaching out to people and and I it was like Father's Day mm-hmm. each day after that. And I would say probably like around the fourth of July, I was just done. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I can't do this no more. By the grace of God, I had my therapist reached out to me like, yo. Mm. I'm a mental health professional. You need to talk. I was like, can you talk now? Like, right. what's up? because I I know where I am. I know where I'm going. And I'm fighting for everything that I have to get myself out of this place. And so I started going to therapy twice a week. And that's literally something that I started to actively train my mind to do, which right. is and the moment I open my eyes and I wake up and I stretch and I feel my fingers and my toes and I yeah. take a deep breath. I'm like, yes, thank you, God. I, I got another opportunity. I'm yeah. still here. And I go about my day. I celebrate every morning by drinking me a fresh fruit smoothie. Mm-hmm. You know, it might, it might seem very, very small and corny, but it's like, yo, like, corny. amazing. You know, I put a little sea moss in there now. You know what I'm saying? So I'm in, in that process. So it's it's been a journey for me to really celebrate and acknowledge that each day is a not guaranteed but each day that you're given is a blessing yeah because even when you wake up in the morning you don't know if that's gonna be your last time waking up you don't know that yep you know what i'm saying so learning to celebrate the small times and the small wins and yeah it's a journey and and i just that's that's why in the space that i've created through my podcast through instagram and social media it's really a safe space for me because I can scroll like for my Instagram, for my podcast, I could scroll that timeline all day long Yeah, because the amount of people that I followed in the, and what I've put into that is so much positivity, so much positive energy and positive people. And it's not me to connect with people like you. And I have to often remind myself of that safe space of how comfortable and how therapeutic, doing what it is I do now is for myself. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay to celebrate. Yes. And at the same time, if I'm not okay, it's okay to not be okay. That's it. Because what happens is, right, when someone is depressed, Mm -hmm. oftentimes people want to be like, all right, let me cheer you up. You know, let me, let me, and, and, and I see the benefit of that. I also think that mm-hmm. like we live in a society that celebrates happy people, that mm-hmm. celebrates people who are extroverted and happy and feeling good. How mm-hmm. is, how are you doing? I'm feeling great. 
But when someone is like, how are you doing? It's like, actually, I'm I'm having suicidal thoughts. Niggas is like, oh, all right, well, cheer up, yo. Like, like right? So mm-hmm. for me, I'm just like, imagine if you had someone to just listen. And I think that just being a listening ear and not going so quick into like, but cheer up, because look at all the amazing things you have, mm-hmm. right? And I think you, like I said, I, once again, I get the point of doing that. But I think what it's also saying is it's not okay to be low. Everything has, like, I do believe very strongly in mountains and valleys, highs and lows and everything in between. And what I always say is, look, you are in your low. And I get it. Like, you are in your low. And there is some, there is an up. So I, I hear you. I see you in your low. And I also see you in your light. Like, I see, I see you being able to get out of it. You know, and and I think that when you honor people for all that they are, which is highs and lows, then you're honoring them holistically. And I feel like black people, we get to be sad, angry, mad, low, joyful, all the things. Mm -hmm. And when you start to being like, no, you can only be happy, then you're not, then you're only seeing half of me or not even maybe one fifth, maybe even one tenth, because I get to be many things. You get to be many things, Blake. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm getting better each day. Each day it's a new journey. It's with it. If you just told me, like I got laid off from my job in April mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I don't know what else I'm going to do, but I got this mic and I got this computer. So I'm going to be a full-time podcaster because it's a yeah. pandemic. And I'm not trying to go out here and get nobody's job anyway. <laughs> but if you just told me that I would be doing stuff like this, like collaborating with so many different people. And because up until that point, you know, I hadn't done many collaborations. You know, my whole, my entire first season, the first 20 episodes of my podcast, no mic, no nothing. Just me wow. and my laptop. I think I had maybe one collaboration my first season. Wow. And it's like, the more that I get into myself, the more that I want to do better, the more tools and resources come my way. And I just get better each and every single time, each and every single episode. And I yes. also learned recently too, like I don't compare myself to nobody else. Mm. Only one diary of a mad black man. Period. You know, even somebody else wants to try and come and copy my name. Okay, that's fine. But you can't copy my story. Cannot. You can't copy my life. You can't copy this mine. Cannot. You know what I'm saying? This is something that's unique. So I'm learning to be comfortable with that. Um, well, I'm thinking of so many other questions to ask, but we're we, we going to wrap this up. But I do want to know about Jewel the Gym Productions. Yes. And how that came up. Because I love you, black business owners. I'm supporting black businesses. So yes. What's that? Yes. So one, you know, the reason why I put my name on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Jewel the Gym presents, Jewel the Gym presents. And I was doing that a lot. I would do events and I would literally, it would be like, Jewel the Gem presents a ratchet realm. Jewel the Gem presents hello. Jewel, pre- Jewel the Gem presents XYZ. And I remember people being like, why does it always say that? I'm like, because my production company is coming. And I want to start with presents and that's going to lead to produce. And then that's going to be. And so one, putting my name in it is recognizing that Black women in films historically have been erased from mm-hmm. business and from leadership and from history. Mm. Think about history is his story. Mm. So what about her story? What about their story, right? And so I'm like, no, I'm not about to get erased. And then secondly, it's an, it's an unapologetically black event planning business. So these are events that I'm curating specifically for the black community, always and forever, not POC, damn sure as hell not no white. And that is something that I do unapologetically. And the reason why I use the word production is because I feel like when black when we put them together, it's a production. We who come in, who else gonna be there? We we got the guest list curated, we got the food. I mean, you know, we in a pandemic, so events look different digitally. But I was doing all types of events that incorporated food, that incorporated dance, I was incorporating all these different things, and I've hosted things from music festivals, open mic nights, my own parties. And so I was like, I've been doing events really all my life and every event feels like a production. So that's why it's Jewel the Gem Productions. Um, Right now what's at the forefront of it is my Sunday Survivor Series, Mm -hmm. uh, which is every Sunday and that's what you saw. Um, So I hosted and I bring on different healers and we have different conversations and topics, right? So one Sunday it's on, um, it's Sunday Survivor Circles, and it's 
a healing experience, really. Mm. I have different healers. We use Zoom and we go into breakout rooms according to people get the self-select. Um, and it's Reiki, breakout rooms, meditation, movement, sound healing, a heal the healer group, a group for queer and trans mass folks, a group for cis het men. Um, the list goes on and on. It's really a group, for, it's, a, it's for everybody. So my hashtag or my tagline, and you better not steal because I got candles for you, um, is come get this healing. And come get this healing, right? It's like, come on, everybody, let's come. Come get this healing. Come on. And I think about the word come for black people. We like, come inside, come over here, come, 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 come. And to me, it's it's a way to really gather the people. Come on, it's a year. Like it's a very like a call and response. And so one Sunday it, it happens from 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time that happens on Zoom. And then the alternate Sunday, it's an IG live. So people don't have to register, even though it's free. Um, you don't gotta register. You don't have to fill out anything. All you gotta do is just, Tune in at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time where you get to win a giveaway. I always do a book giveaway, an apparel giveaway. Tomorrow I'm doing a giveaway um, for sound healing. I know by the time this airs that it won't happen, but this is, I'm doing a sound healing giveaway for healers. Um, and so it's it's an experience where people get the kind of, and I'm using it on Sundays, and I'm using it in the morning because what happens for Black folks Sunday mornings? Church. Church. Mm-hmm. But this is black, queer, radical ass church, you know, and that and it's digital and it's free and it's for black people. Now, the IG live, you know, people hop in there. I can't tell who, who watching what, but the giveaways is always to black people. The The narrative is always rooted in black people and our histories and our traumas and our resilience and our triumphs and our wounds and our wisdom and the gamut. And so, um that's one of the the major things that my 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 company my organization is doing right now company organization LLC I don't even know the name but you know uh, of what you would call it but um, Joe the Gem Productions right now is doing that so I'm really really excited because it's gonna it's gonna I'm gonna do a podcast soon and help you know your support with that um, right and so my um, ratchet realm that I was already doing that's gonna be under that my talk show that I'm already doing that's gonna be under that so I'm just basically I just built the LLC that captures what I was already doing, um, which is events, whether it's virtual or in person. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. I just, <laughs> yeah, we're we going we gonna to finish this up. We're going to wrap this up because I feel like I could go on for another two, three hours with you. <laughs> um, I really want to take a moment just to say thank you, Jewel. Like, truly, mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. I look forward to continuing to learn with you to heal with you to learn how to heal myself from you um get different different gems on that things that i can add to my own life and sharing that with other people because that's really what it's all about we lift as we climb you know what i'm saying so um but i do want to give opportunities to kind of um plug yourself let people know where they can find you contact you and um hear more about anything that you have going on yes so um my main instagram pages i have i have a few my main instagram page is jewel underscore the gem um, my business page that I just talked about in terms of Jewel the Gem Productions is just that Jewel the Gem Productions. Um, my talk show that airs every other Saturday, currently at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I may shift that up a little bit, but for now, it's every other Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's Jewel's Gems underscore talk show. Um, and then lastly, my party space, um, which Took a little break because I was doing digital parties as well, but it's the summertime, people want to be outside. So yeah. in the fall and the winter, I'm gonna do digital parties as well because the, the pandemic twerk is a, is a is a twerk for real, for real. Okay, yeah. twerk in the kitchen, twerk in the kitchen, twerks on the air mattress, hit different. Um, and that is a ratchet realm. So I have Jewel the Gym, I have Jewel the Gym's talk show, Jewel the Gym Productions, and a ratchet realm. So those are my Instagrams, and each of those pages will have um, an email attached to it to be reached. Um, I'm relatively accessible through DMs. Um, I exclusively work with Black folks. There have been folks who reached out to me, and they said I'm a person of color, and I say, well, you know, good luck on your healing. Uh, white people, they know not to come to me for stuff. But um, lastly, what I will share is that what you'll find in my link tree is that um, I have, I always will have an alternate of a Venmo, PayPal, or Cash App of a Black trans person 
because black trans folks um, deserve and and need uh, money for things, right? That varies. And so I use my platform to uplift that in my link tree. You'll also see, feel, find ways that you can pay me directly. And lastly, what I'll say was in my link tree, which is super dope, is um, me and my friend Tassiana, who goes by the chubby goddess, who is brilliant, okay? Brilliant. Um, and we are both moving and we are um, fundraising to buy and purchase our own homes. Um, so, you know, check out the link tree and go and donate to the GoFundMe because Black folks, Black survivors, Black femme, you know, queer community uh, organizers deserve to live in a house that feels safe and that is their own. Um, on stolen land because we own stolen land. Um, however, we can we can we can purchase our own property um, and, and honor that land through that. So, thank you so much, Blake, for having me on and allowing me to plug the things and share the things. Um, it was a real pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely. And for and for those of you listening, y'all already know how I do this. Check the description box for all the details, all the links. I'm gonna put it all right there. So all you gotta do is and I know 86% of y'all on your iPhone. So go ahead and look right now. It's there. So, so <laughs> I can't say thank you enough, but thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate you so much. This has been another wonderful, great episode of Diary of a Mad Black Man. And for those of y'all listening, I'm sure this is not gonna be the first time you're gonna hear from Jewel on Diary of a Mad Black Man, but until the next diary entry, y'all stay blessed. All right.